How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys Alex and Ryan. Today we're discussing the three primary top position battles that we're going to be looking at this spring, kind of breaking them down a little bit. You know, we've discussed a lot of these pretty heavily over the last couple of weeks, if not months, um, and you guys pretty much know everything we're going to say, but we want to outline some specific players, some things we were, we're going to be looking at pretty intensely this spring. Um, I know, you know, the regular season doesn't start until late March, but ultimately, like, the spring training, this whole process, you go through to figure out um, some key position battles on a World Series caliber team. This Yankee team is going to be carried um, a lot by youth. The youth agenda that they are following this upcoming season has a lot of holds on where they take them ultimately. You know, if you're looking at Peraza at shortstop or Cabrera in left field, you maybe even Volpe making the transition up. Our bullpen is littered with young guys like Ron Marinaccio and um, even Greg Weiss, certain guys like Johnny Brito, uh, Randy Vasquez, guys that are going to be kind of elevating and asked to play a pretty significant role this upcoming season. It's going to be really fun to watch how some of these young guys rise to the occasion. We saw a lot of really quality players, you know, Julio Rodriguez, um, 21 years old, you know, 22 years old. These guys are super young and making legitimate impacts at the major league level. It's time the Yankees stop bogging down and holding down their prospects and, and start letting them really compete and earn their right to be there. Because ultimately, you know, Peraza was killing it in AAA. Volpe's going to end up killing it in AAA. At some point, you need to say to yourself, all right, these guys are ready to contribute right now, and we have spots for them to play. Um, so I think that that's ultimately the right thing to do. But let's start off talking about shortstop, uh, Ryan, you know, looking at Peraza, IKF. Even Anthony Volpe in the mix. You could even throw an Oswaldo Cabrera into the mix, as we mentioned yesterday. Right now, like you're looking at your, uh, let's see, your favorite, your favorite to kind of win this job. Why is he your favorite? A dark horse kind of sleeper option. You know, give me some information on what you're thinking about that specific position battle. Yeah, so, you know, the three guys that are going to be, you know, looked at as the main competitors are Volpe Peraza and Kiner Falefa. I, I think Oswaldo Cabrera serves as the perfect dark horse here. I feel like he's kind of the, uh, if all else fails, you just go to Oswaldo Cabrera. And it feels like that's the uh, way I look at Oswaldo Cabrera for most positions on the baseball diamond. Outside of catcher and first base and center field, if all else fa fails at a certain position, you're going with Oswaldo Cabrera. So I think, you know, if we're talking about dark horses, he fits perfectly there. But I really want to focus on the comparison between the main three guys, just because I think those are the guys with the highest chances of making the team uh, as the starting shortstop. But the big thing here is floors and ceilings, right? So we're talking about floor or a ceiling. We talk about worst case scenario or close to the worst case scenario, and then best case scenario or close to the best case scenario scenario zips actually has public percentile projections for the 20th and 80th percentile so 80th percentile would be close to that really you know the perfect outcome it's an ideal outcome for that player uh 20th percentile would be a less than ideal outcome uh for that player Isaiah Kinderfluffa's 20th percentile OPS plus is a 59, while Volpe is at an 81 and Peraza is at a 72. In that situation, Kinderfluffa would be at a negative 1.2 war, Peraza would be at a 1.0 war, and Volpe would be at a 1.6. So worst case scenario, Volpe's a league average player, Peraza is basically IKF last year. And worst case scenario for IKF, or not even worst case scenario, one of the least ideal scenarios, IKF is not playable at the major league level. And I think that's important to note here, right? Even if all three of those players play at a similarly poor level relative to their skill gap, relative to their talent level, um, IKF is not rosterable. Peraza and Volpe are at least rosterable, if you get what I'm saying. Uh, and I think that's a key difference here. And then ceilings, right? Uh, Isaiah Kainafalefa's 80th percentile OPS plus is a 94, while Peraza is at a 108, and Volpe is at a 120. Do I think Peraza is a little bit low? Sure. 
But end of the day, the big thing to look at here is that even in his 80th percentile, Isaiah Kainer-Fluffa is still a below average hitter. While Volpe ends up being a star caliber player, he pushes a war north of four, which would comfortably put him in the all-star game and, you know, would make for a widely successful, largely successful rookie year, would definitely put him in contention to win the rookie of the year award. Um, that That's that 80th percentile outcome for Volpe, being a star in year one. And for Peraza, it's being a pretty good shortstop in year one, right? Obviously, rookies are hard to project. Uh, and if we're looking at their median outcomes, what Zips just projects they'll do straight up. You know, Volpe is the only one projected with an OPS plus that was uh, that isn't below average. And at a 3.1 war, you can say that Volpe is kind of supposed to just be at least a pretty good player. Um, you know, I, I think Volpe is the safest option for the long term this year. But out of camp opening day, I'm going to go with Peraza just because, as you mentioned, Peraza's been to AAA and has already conquered AAA. I feel like the Yankees would like Volpe to conquer AAA before we get to the point where we're talking about him as the Major League shortstop, which I think is totally fair. Uh, but but end of the day, I, I think you have to look at Anthony Volpe as someone that should be on the team by the by the postseason, you know, being a post regular starter, everything, not just being up with the major league team in September, but have already been an established major leaguer. Uh, and Isaiah kind of just can't be the guy who wins this job. I, I think we're looking at someone who just has to go. Yeah, I mean, I even wrote an article this morning, a potential mock trade, uh, setting IKF on his way. Look, getting rid of Aaron Hicks is unlikely. Getting rid of Josh Donaldson is unlikely. Too much money on the books, unless they're willing, the Yankees are willing to give up prospects just to get them off the team. I don't think they want to go in that direction. So IKF makes the most sense in terms of opening up a little bit of financial flexibility. Below that $293 million luxury tax threshold, they don't want to go above that. So we know they're about 289 right now. They have pretty much no money to spend unless they're going and getting like, you know, minor league flyers, which... Uh, uh, don't count against that. So, you know, when you're looking at what they can do now, IKF seems like the most valuable player. I mean, Glaber Torres too, but I don't think we're trading Glaber Torres anytime soon unless Anthony Volpe looks so good that we have no choice but to give him a starting job, which probably would be either shortstop or second base and Peraza would move to either one of those two. So, or maybe even to third base and DJ, you know, plays second base. You know, there's different different kind of uh, combinations they can roll with, but Right now, I kind of agree with you in the sense that Volpe should be on this team earlier in the season. Um, they can't hold these guys down. Volpe, he takes about a month, month and a half to really get going with every level he's been at, right? He started slow in double A, started slow, you know, in triple A, and it takes him a bit of time. Um, you know, by the time June rolls around, he's absolutely cranking, he's raking, and I think the Yankees kind of have to look at that sample size and say, all right, you know what? Let's wait until June. Let him kick some ass in AAA. We'll elevate him. We'll have a little bit more understanding about what's going on at shortstop. I don't think that this, for what it's worth, I don't think that this uh, position battle at shortstop is going to end in spring training. I think they carry out some of these into the regular season because IKF is going to get reps. If he's on this team, he's going to get reps, you know? If, you know, Peraz is on this team, he's going to get reps. Cabrera, going to get reps. I'm just curious to see how many each one of them gets and, you know, who they start to lean toward. But I don't think that this is a situation where they're going to have that all figured out once spring training ends. I think it's going to probably last into the regular season a little bit. And Volpe definitely plays into that equation. You know, maybe they want to keep him around on the 40-man roster and have him compete during the regular season. Have, you know, just kind of see what he can do. Obviously, he has a ton of minor league options, so they could have him, you know, play a couple games, see if he's hitting well, see how he, you know, could just kind of ease him into it, you know, put him back in AAA for a couple weeks, and then bring him back up if he's struggling. You know, there are different things that they can do. Personally, I think he probably starts in AAA, and then he gets elevated around the June-July mark and, you know, is an everyday starter for this Yankee team. And that's when the Yankees start to float the idea of trading Glaber Torres and then Volpe or Peraza take over at second base. That's kind of how I see this unfolding. Um, but, you know, 
I'll ask you this, Ryan. If you think that Volpe is going to eventually get to this the big league level, what position do you think is the most likely ends up uh, actually playing? Yeah, so I've said this time and time again, you know, the ideal outcome for the New York Yankees is that Peraza stays at shortstop and Volpe becomes a second baseman. Um, but, you know, we've talked about Glaber Torres before where, you know, what if Glaber Torres is hitting so well and Peraza is kind of like solid but not great and, you know, you, you think we can upgrade with Volpe, right? I don't think Peraza is going to stop Volpe from coming up. I, I think it's more so, I don't think we talk about the, the possibility that Peraza just isn't that good out of the gate. Volpe comes up and takes that shortstop job and Glaber's playing well so you don't really bench Glaber either. Um, the way I look at things is, you know, one, the second one of those infielders start struggling, Volpe is going to be hot on their tail. And, and I don't think it's going to be a situation where we're looking at, you know, Volpe could do really well in April and in spring training and, and still see himself not on the major league team if, you know, Josh Donaldson is OPS plusing like 80, right? You know, he's, he's going to take Josh Donaldson's spot. You'll just DFA him at that point. Um, you know, even... It's it's one of those things where um you know it, it comes down to how the major league guys are performing and how Volpe's performing um but I, I think ideally it's second base it it kind of sucks to say that but you know you could also just have Glaber DH and put Stanton in the outfield a little bit more that that's not unattainable right the Yankees have managed five infielders before we saw us last year entering the year it was Glaber Torres on the bench Josh Donaldson at third and DJ LeMahieu at second and how did things turn out. I'd say it turned out pretty well for the Yankees. Uh, and I think they got a, enough playing time out of the three, um, you know, to say that you can get a full season's worth of playing time out of Glaber Torres, Anthony Volpe, and Oswald Peraza, even if they're sharing three positions. Uh, so, you know, I don't. I think second base would be his primary position uh, if Peraza does well, but shortstop if, uh, you know, Glaber's playing so well that you can't sit Glaber. Right, that makes sense. And you know, looking over to third base, um, another position battle that will probably unfold between... and. and you know, I, I want to sit here and actually throw in the idea that ICAF will probably be competing at both shortstop and third base, you know, alongside Josh Donaldson and DJ LeMahieu. Now, we all agree that DJ LeMahieu will be the winner there because you can't leave him out of the equation. If Gleyber Torres is playing second, Peraz is playing short, uh, and Rizzo is playing first, you know, if you have to pick between IKF, Donaldson, and DJ LeMahieu, some people might say, well, you know, you know, Donaldson's making $21 million. He, he can't be on the bench. Well, DJ's making like 15 or 16, so they're still getting paid a shit ton no matter how you look at it. DJ is the better player. He's healthy. He gets on base more. He, you know, he can hit for contact better. He's a, a really good defender. Had a 9.92 fielding percentage with seven defensive runs saved and four outs above average. I've memorized these stats because all I talk about is how DJ LeMahieu is going to be winning that, that hot corner battle, and I think he's going to be a starter for this team, so I think you, you and I are on the same page in that sense but do you think IKF will also get reps at third base and be competing because maybe the Yankees are thinking maybe IKF's our primary utility guy at shortstop and, and third base and not and Donaldson is really only a one-trick pony at third base and then, then they try to just move Donaldson and do whatever it takes you know even if it takes moving a, a low-level prospect just to clear half of his salary um, do you think that it's possible they end up trying to move Donaldson more aggressively than IKF just because they see the value in IKF at two positions? Yeah, so, you know, the way I look at things when we're talking about IKF and third base, uh, again, I'm just not a big fan of how IKF projects long-term. His batted ball profile isn't one that brings up a high bat pip, which means his batting average isn't going to be super high relative to having no power. Hits a lot of ground balls. I, I just don't really see it there. And if I'm going to have a good defensive third base, in which all three of the uh, options we have for third base that you mentioned, Josh Donaldson, Gilles Mayhew, Isaiah kind of fluffa all of them are excellent defensive third basemen. I'll go with the higher offensive upside. You know, I, I don't think Josh Donaldson's a great hitter by any regards, but uh, there's a reason projections like him a little bit more than Isaiah kind of fluffa or noticeably more than Isaiah kind of fluffa And that's because 
because if you have any semblance of raw power, uh, you know, you're going to have that upside that, hey, you put it together for a year and you, you, you hit like 20 home runs and, you know, things actually look pretty decent for you. And then LeMay, who's just consistently been a really good hitter for the Yankees for every season outside of 2021. So uh, I think we look at third base and I, I think there's too large of a gap between Isaiah Kinderfluffa and the guys ahead of him for him to win that job as well. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, the Yankees need the roster space. They need the money. They need a lot of different things. That $6 million can go to a lot of different places uh, or just stash into the deadline, quite frankly. Um, but Josh Donaldson, DJ LeMay is going to be an interesting battle because I have a weird feeling they're going to give that job to Josh Donaldson, even though I would give the job to LeMayhew to start the year. I think LeMayhew is a better hitter. I think LeMayhew provides on base skills, which the Yankees need more than Josh Donaldson's slugging abilities, which I put in quotation marks because last year he didn't slug very well. Um, you know, again, this isn't to like sit here and just rag on Josh Donaldson, but DJ LeMayhew, I think, is the better player, right? And I think it just comes down to that, right? I think when you and I, uh, if we ask any of our fans, or any of our viewers, you know, who do you want, you know, to lead off for the New York Yankees? DJ LeMahieu or Josh Donaldson, right? Like, who, who else is leading off? You're going to put Judge at leadoff, Rizzo, uh, at Glaber, because Glaber's not really a leadoff guy either. Um, you know, end of the day, would you rather have DJ LeMahieu in your lineup or Josh Donaldson in your lineup? And I think every Yankee fan would say, just based on whether you, it's someone who says, you know, I go based off the eye test, if you're just looking at raw data, whatever you're looking at, you're picking DJ LeMahieu. So um, I, I don't know if you agree with me here, but I, I think DJ LeMahieu kind of has to be the third baseman, at least on opening day. And you'll rotate Josh Donaldson in as you can. LeMahieu will slide second for some games. You know, uh, you'll put LeMahieu on the bench for some games. You'll put Donaldson on the bench for some games. You'll figure it out. Yeah, you have to figure it out. You know, you got to get DJ in the mix. And ultimately, you got to do whatever it takes to make sure he's starting because he's the better player. Now, looking over at left field, the other primary position battle, the fact that the Yankees haven't cleared money, done anything to add more competition there in terms of investing actual salary space into it, um, is mainly because I feel as though they're confident in Oswaldo Cabrera. I don't think it's because they're confident in Aaron Hicks. Um, I think we know what Aaron Hicks is. We know at the very best he's going to be an average-level player. Um, but, you know, as for Cabrera, a lot of untapped potential. You know, switch hitter, obviously a really good defensive player, 13 defensive runs saved, nine in the outfield last year. He was an animal. You know, this is a guy who we're very excited about. He's energetic. He's a great teammate. He's a great guy. He's got all the intangibles and tangible traits to be a very good hitter. Now, problem is, like, he's not a slugger by any means, but that short right porch in Yankee Stadium, he's a he can bat lefty. He can crank some of those out of there. You know, he, he can also hit for just extra base hits. You know, this is a guy who I think has some decent athleticism to him as well. They're making the bases bigger. They're reducing the actual distance by four and a half inches to the next base. This is going to be a lot more of an aggressive offensive game. So his aggressive, energizing style should theoretically pay off in dividends. Um, I liken him to be the starter at left field. Do I want him to be the super utility option? I kind of think he fits that mold better. But the Yankees aren't going to stop you know, him from winning a starting job because they think he can be a utility option. They can always transition him into that role. If, the, if, if somebody goes down, if Bader suffers an injury, whatever, they can put Hicks in center field. They can move Cabrera. They can move Judge to center and then move Cabrera back to right field and Hicks in left field. There's a ton of different combinations. Just because he starts in left field doesn't mean that he can't be a utility option if they need him to be. You know what I mean? Like, it's not either or. It's, you know, when or what if. Um, so I kind of get the sense that they will allow him to compete for a starting job. Nonetheless, we talked about this yesterday. He already said he's been playing 
playing and practicing third base, shortstop, every outfield position, you know, first place. He can be a catcher if he he's been practicing everywhere. This isn't a player who's gearing up to be a starting left fielder. He's a player gearing up to play multiple positions if called upon. So I find that to be incredibly valuable. I think he notices how valuable that is, but that isn't gonna stop him from winning the start the starting left field job. You know, how do you view Oswaldo Cabrera, Aaron Hicks and kind of the way they can deploy these players that makes the most sense moving forward? Yeah, so, you know, Oswaldo Cabrera is someone who is an absolutely remarkable offensive player. You know, in AAA, uh, in his career at AAA, so this starts back into, like, late 2021, 152 WRC+, 300 average, 381 OBP, 586 slugging percentage. He absolutely mashes, right? You know, he has really good power, uh, despite the fact that his raw power, you wouldn't say, is overall extremely impressive. Uh, you know, he pulls the ball in the air, which generates a lot of, uh, you know, home run potential. That's kind of what the Yankees have with Peraza, Cabrera, and Volpe, three guys who are, you know, in terms of raw power, not going to blow you away, but in terms of their batted ball sprays, they're absolutely elite, right? So, so that'll definitely help them in the offensive category. Um, but... You know, the one thing I look at with left field is the fact that I think the Yankees should probably just go with a platoon here. I know this sounds this is an unpopular opinion, uh, but Aaron Hicks hits left-handed pitching a lot better than he does right-handed pitching. It's not close either. He cannot hit the ball hard against right-handed pitching, whereas against lefty, uh, excuse me, against left-handed pitching. Wait, he hits the ball hard against left-handed pitching. Switch hitting always confuses me because it's I'm thinking left-handed hitter, right-handed hitter, whatever it may be. Against left-handed pitching as a right-handed hitter, he hits the ball significantly harder. We're talking exit velocities, averaging north of 90 miles an hour, right? You know, the X-slugging, the X-woba, they're all phenomenal from the right-handed side of the plate. But from the left-handed side of the plate, he hasn't found his power. He just hasn't. He doesn't look the same as he was before his surgery, right? I think you and I can agree here. A wrist surgery, you know, not having good power from the left-handed side, that doesn't age well. Like, that doesn't do better like you don't see that get better next year unless for some reason it was bothering him during the season last year and we didn't know about it um that could maybe be a factor here but i think that's banking on something we one don't know about and two can't guarantee so i'm not going to sit here and speculate but end of the day if he hits if he hits better from the right-handed side you know, and you have a guy like Ortega, right? If you move IK off, that's an open spot on the position uh, player side of the bench. You know, Willie Calhoun's involved in that mix as well. Why not have a left-handed outfielder who crushes righties and then have Hicks, you know, pitch again, uh, hit against left-handed pitching who you won't ha like to have Ortega against, right? If you get a 100 WRC plus at left field, 100 WRC plus out of Hicks and whoever that other guy is, right? That's a win for the Yankees. The Yankees had abysmal left field play last year. Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks played a large sum of the game for the Yankees in left field. It was atrocious. There's no other way to put it. It was an atrocious position for the Yankees last year. They couldn't get any offense from the position. And while they were excellent defensively there, they could not hit there. If the Yankees get league average offense, that changes everything for them in left field. Because quite frankly, you know, people are going to say this team has no depth. You know, once you look at Judge, Stanton, and Rizzo, what else is there? That's fine. Quite frankly, if you have three elite hitters and then you have Glaber Torres and DJ LeMahieu sprinkled in there, if everyone else just kind of combines to be meh, you know, league average, you're going to lead the American League or come close to leading the American Leagues in runs scored. You can't have nine above average position players offensively in your lineup. That's, that's just not, you know, that doesn't really happen in this, in this game. There's too much parity. There's too much variance in terms of player performance year to year, right? I, I think you and I can agree. Just getting league average offense and competent defense from left field, put them at the put it at the eight or nine spot. You'll live with it, man. You'll live with it because considering what they've had in the past, there, 
It's been bad, right? The Yankees have traded for two consecutive outfielders at the deadline in Gallo and Benintendi. One of them struggled. The other one got hurt the second they started playing well. So you'll take league average at this point. I would absolutely take league average at this point because what we've had there in the past has certainly not been that. And Aaron Hicks, you know, below league average, failing to do much, like season-long cold streaks at this point. We need just fresh juice, fresh energy. Um, And ultimately, Cabrera offers that, and he gives you – upside that we don't know where he where it goes you know what i mean like we know that cabrera's baseline is going to be a great defender but like a okay offensive weapon right he's gonna be okay the thing is he can be so much better than that you know you're looking at a player that has not even touched his potential hasn't even sniffed it yet this is someone who with experience with confidence with more live at bats against professional pitchers could get extremely um, just the extraordinary growth over the next couple of years, if not just this season. And I, I think they have to give him the opportunity to show that, man. Like, we know what Aaron Hicks is. His best version is an average player, but Cabrera's best version is a well above average player. And I think we have to take that risk, have to take that gamble, because he's got the he's got it, and he's shown us flashes of it. If he can do it consistently, you're looking at your everyday set, uh, left fielder for a very long time, if not a very good utility man for a very long time. Like imagine Tyler Wade on roids plus um, switch hitting. You know, this is a player that just is so exciting to think about. Love to talk about him. We love to consider what he can do at the next level. But guys, I love to hear perspectives below about the shortstop position battle, third base, how you think these things will unfold. Of course, left field, um, a lot to talk about. But, you know, we got spring training coming up in a couple weeks here. We're very, very excited. We got you guys covered with all the daily news and things you need to keep track of. Um, so we'll do all the hard work for you and, and deliver it here on Fireside Yankees. Make sure to like and subscribe for all that great information. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.